most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there. <laughs> is that how you want me to start? <laughs> Everything okay in your world? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> Welcome everybody to a rather psychotic episode of Keeping Up With The Joneses. <laughs> I was just trying to make it different than our normal, hey babe. How are you? <laughs> well, that was different. That was a, a whole bucket of different right there. That was, yeah. How was your week? It was a good week. My mom arrived. She did. God bless her. Yes. She's 80 years old. She is 80 and, years old. And she drove all the way from Canada. Yes. Yeah, she does it in two days, but she drives all the way from Canada. Everybody we tell when we say that she's 80, nobody believes us. Yeah, most people think she's in her 60s. Yeah. She's a sprightly young lady. She she is. She's quite sprightly. <laughs> She's currently uh, cleaning our dishes because the dishwasher isn't working. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the dishwasher not working? <laughs> well. Um, Why don't we just say it's a 10-year-old dishwasher and leave it at that? It is a 10-year-old dishwasher good. that We're needed all to be up. replaced. Okay. Very good. <laughs> is there anything you want to say about the dishwasher? Nope. We're setting up the house slowly <laughs> but surely. Finding things that are wrong and fixing them and then unpacking boxes and putting up paintings and it's true it's funny because the procedure it feels like is just get boxes in the house now get boxes in the right rooms now unpack the boxes that are urgent or now open every single box to find the things that we didn't put in the proper boxes but we desperately need right and then well it's interesting i think we've mentioned this in previous weeks it seems like the things that are of most interest to us are like i haven't unpacked any of my clothes but i do (laughs) i do have our our stereo system and our internet up and running. Well, yes, that was the first day, wasn't and it? And our Wi-Fi connected light bulbs. Those but all, no clothes. those all happen fast, and the kitchen happened fast, mm-hmm. but everything else has been slower progress. We did have friends that came over yesterday and helped us unpack God stuff you. for five hours. And frankly, we couldn't have done what we got done without their help. No, because your back is gammy. I need somebody who. We need a better word than gammy. Gammy sounds too close to Grammy or old. Oh, okay. Uh uh, my back is uh, sensitive. I need to learn about <laughs> horticulture. Oh. Who do I know in Franklin slash Nashville who knows about plants and trees? Because I need to trim bushes. And your mother was telling me I can't just give them a haircut like I was going to. She saw me with a giant pair of, what do you call them, secateurs? Or what are they? those big things that you uh, chop yeah. bushes with? Yeah, they look like giant scissors. Yeah, this is the yeah. amount of help we need. We need. <laughs> We don't even know what they're called. We don't even know the names of the tools I'm so willingly <laughs> wielding. She was like, you, you can't trim that. I was like, why? And she said, well, because you have to learn what the plant is and learn how to cut it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Dang it. That momentarily put it. So if you know anything about horticulture or plants or bushes and you live here, please let me know. Or I could just send you pictures and you can tell me what they are. I tried downloading some apps, but got so confused. It seems like people who are good at identifying plants aren't very good at writing software. That would be my experience from a cursory glance. Well, that would... <laughs> I mean, it is a fairly diverse skill set to be good at in, bo- in both areas. Yeah. Can you imagine the geekery that would be involved in being good at plants and computer software? Well, you know what my dad... The person probably never leaves their house. <laughs> my dad gets here next month. Yes. But I fear some of the plants might be dead by then. Well, or have overgrown and taken over the house. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had a conversation with Allison Hendrickson, which I didn't tell you about, about our planter boxes. Because uh-huh. we have these massive planter boxes, you know, three above ground ones. And 
I thought we just need to wait till next year to plant things. But she's like, no, you can plant this and that and tomatoes and, you know. So there's tons of stuff I could be planting that we actually eat. You're going to have to dig them all up for us because right now... I know, the- they're full of like the longest grass you've ever seen. <laughs> we could film something for the Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. <laughs> we could put some of Alan's or uh, MJ's action figures and run them through the grass. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like we should you know, send out an email to our homeowners association to go, don't worry, we will fix it. We just don't know what we're doing. We don't know what to do with this. Yeah. You spoke at Emanate. I Let, did. Well, do you know what you spoke no, of? Can you remember? remember? That's like probably <laughs> some sort of sign about how much was packed into this week that I can't for the life of me remember. I just I remember of. I had to get you to land the plane, so to speak, because you were all over the map <laughs> towards the end of the, the very Yes, the last slide I started going off the reservation. Yeah. But I still can't remember what I spoke I was like, on. Shut it down, shut it down, <laughs> and shut it down. Land the plane. And as if life wasn't full enough, our kids started back at school. Yes. So that was fun. They had a half day Friday and they both came home from a brand new school. And both of them said, mommy, I made a friend today. Oh, Which is very sweet. They also nearly didn't get off the bus and did a tour of Williamson County. Yes. So I had to to run after the bus (laughs) and, you know, get it to open its doors. And they were like, yeah. I was like, my kids are still on board. (laughs) And then they're like, oh. We didn't know it was our stop. I'm like, oh. But they, we just moved here. They're not going to recognize anything. Right. That's yeah. true. So we might have to just make sure we're on top of that one for sure. How, how do you suggest? Give them walkie talkies, electric collars? That yes, that would be perfect. Maybe buzzes when it gets near our house. I don't think that they would call child services for that at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. I saw the newborn movie this afternoon. We were out celebrating Brett's birthday. Yes. And I'm jealous because I've wanted to see it since it came out. You had the opportunity to go last week on opening night. No, I didn't. Yeah, Cindy said, can me and AJ go see Bourne movie? And I was like, sure. And then you chose not to do it. No, that's not how I remember that at all. <laughs> okay. Well, I think you'd like it. It's a bit of a departure from the previous movies, I think. But maybe I've just been overthinking it. But I enjoyed it nevertheless. Okay. I've been having a lot of fun doing the Wisdom 31 I've been hashtag. Having, when, when, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun watching all the hashtag Wisdom 31s come in been really good hasn't it yeah it's interesting everybody reading the same if you don't know what we're talking about we're all reading a chapter of proverbs a day whatever the day is if it's the 11th read chapter 11 and then post something either on facebook instagram or twitter about what stood out to you and then hashtag it wisdom 31 which i forgot to do last night i mean i i posted the verse but forgot to hashtag it and then when i woke up this morning i was like i don't want to repost it because then i'll be out of sync so right yeah, try and remember to hashtag it. Yeah, it's been great. It's been good to see the different things that stand out to people. Um, and even some of the things some of the things that are the same things that stand out to people, if that makes sense. Chapter five was a hard one to tweet about. Yeah. I yeah, I was on my best behavior. There's so many things that were just brilliant to tweet and I just thought, <laughs> I don't know how much my readership knows my sense of humor. I'll I'll be my best behavior. That's good, darling. I'm proud of you. You know what I want to talk about this week? What? I want to talk about Gray Center. Okay. Because how long have we been at Gray Center? Seven and a half years. Good night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started work on the 1st of January 2009 at Gray Center. Yeah. Goodness me. Yeah. Uh, well, I was thinking, I was actually moved by the post that you made on Instagram about this morning service, which was amazing. So if you weren't at Gray Center this morning, I would say this morning's second service would be a great example of what we love about Grace Center. Why don't you describe for the people what happened? Well, you know, worship just started. Uh, Jesse was leading and it was amazing. And then it just went into this prophetic kind of thing 
where Jesse was just sort of singing the heart of God and it just felt like it went up a level and then it went up a level and then went up. It, it got to where, you know, I was looking through Instagram for, to see if somebody had posted a picture of, you know, I mean, everybody was standing, all hands were raised. Worship went for like an hour and a half, you know, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I mean, in a really good way, but I realized we were also into it that nobody took a picture, you know, it was just, we were also um, into it. We forgot to take up an offering. That's how, you know, yeah, revivals happened. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, and we didn't even catch it. Somebody else had to come up and say, oh, what do we do with my offering? We're like, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to, uh, okay, I know we just said goodbye, but you know, so, but it was, it was amazing. At, at, at two different points during the service, I could hear angels singing. Wow. Like a, like it sounded like a chorus of angels singing and it was so loud. I, I do need to speak to Marcus our, our, uh, to this morning. He was running sound. He's the director of our technical ministries and, and also the worship team. Because at one point I heard a noise and I could see all the team working out who was making the noise. I think that that was my assumption from looking at them, looking at each other. But I heard this beautiful tone that sounded like it was not feedback, but a, a very pronounced tone that I thought was coming from the guitar but it wasn't. And I saw our guitarist looking around to see who's making that noise. And one of the things I love about when, whenever we're in, I, I'm assuming it's Nashville because it's Music City, but whenever Jesse or any of our worship leaders go off the reservation into either prophetic song or spontaneous song, the congregation singing is unbelievable. You yeah. know, it just goes into harmonies everywhere. And it's yeah. incredible. At, yeah. that, at that point, I sit down because I just want to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something... Uh, there's, I mean, I don't want to say it's only happens in Nashville, but, uh, oh, when I've been in other churches where it sounds like a bunch of drunken pirates have got together <laughs> and are right. singing, there's lots right. of passion, but right. perhaps not much harmony. Right. right, right, right. But I mean, this is like, it's almost like you have a room full of 500 people and all of them can sing, Right. you know, it's just a little bit different. So, um, yeah, it was uh, just incredible and it's fun to watch, Jeff navigate following the Holy Spirit and not, I mean, Jeff's great at not having a plan in terms of, he of course had a prepared message and whatever, but if the Holy Spirit's doing something different, then that's what Jeff's doing. Or even if he, I mean, take it a step down from there, even if he doesn't know what the Holy Spirit's doing, he's fine not to revert. I would say most leaders, myself included, would be stick to the plan. We have a plan. Right. Let's we don't know that. what God's doing right now, so let's so continue let's just with the plan. the plan. Yeah. And he won't. He's like, what if the Holy Spirit wants to do something different from the plan? And I it's one of the things I so admire about Jeff. Yeah. His absolute resolute steadfastness that he is going to to the best of his ability follow the Holy Spirit. And yeah. I think the Holy Spirit loves it. Yeah. Because you can't go wrong at that point because even if you miss it, let's say worst case scenario you miss what the Holy Spirit was doing. You get an A plus for effort. Yeah. Just for even trying. Yeah. And I've watched Jeff continually in these seven and a half years stop the train for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Just like, okay, guys, we're not going to do church as normal as as if we could. But he will he will be happy to eat humble pie if he missed it or just, just risk yeah. something for the Holy yeah. Spirit. And that's... I want to say that's quite rare. I think a lot of times we say we're going to risk for the Holy Spirit, but we risk within the parameters of what we're comfortable, especially those of us who are in public ministry. Right. Because it's scary. I, it's, I don't care if you're stepping out with a word of knowledge. I don't care if you've got a message and as you stand up to speak, the Holy Spirit says, no, change it. Anytime you feel like the Holy Spirit deviating from what 
you feel like the Holy Spirit's already told you, there's huge risk involved. Mm-hmm. And you've got hundreds of people looking at you going, this better work. Mm-hmm. And it's, I thought it was good. Like he talked a little bit about perplexity and right. how perplexity is really just not knowing what to do next. Um, and that God can be in the midst of that. Like, you know, God can meet you in the midst of perplexity and you don't need to rush through it. And it made me think about how often when, you know, because it can be uncomfortable, those those situations, you either go with what God's doing or people can get uncomfortable right. because you're like, what is happening? How long is this going to be happening for? Is there going to be a message after this? Like you can get sort of sucked into the, what's your normal right. rather than just engage with God and see where it goes. One of the things that we've had is we've had people come to our church and they experience a morning like this morning. They experience this wonderful freedom for the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants. This amazing sense of God's presence. And I think the question that people are often asking is, what are the ingredients that we can put in place so that the Holy Spirit will show up like he he did this morning. What would you say some of the ingredients are? How would you encourage leaders to foster an environment? Because it's very similar to what we experienced in Toronto, the, the, mm-hmm. the joy and delight of the Holy Spirit in showing up. And so there's huge parallels and overlaps, which we'll talk about later, between John and Carol and Jeff and Becky. But talk to me about some of the ingredients that you see that facilitate a move of the spirit like we saw this morning? Gosh, I think there's probably a, a lot of ingredients. I, prom- I probably think number one is humility. N- no matter who it is, whether it's the worship leader or the MC or, you know, Jeff or whoever's leading the, the meeting, um, just having a real knowledge of who you are and who you're not. And yeah, it's that it's not about you. Right. It's not about you getting to do your part. It's not about, you know, everybody thinking great about you. It's it's about the Lord and it's about following the Lord. So I think um, some of it is that those are all people that have pursued God for themselves to be humble people. You know what I mean? Like right. to to hey Lord, would you would you make me someone that's sensitive to your spirit and that it isn't about me? And so there's it's a great starting off platform because you're able to go someplace without it being effort. Right. I would say in addition to the humility, there, of course, there's faith, but let me use a different word from faith. You've got to be willing to risk it. Mm-hmm. I've watched time and time again, in, increasingly in, in the last couple of years, Jeff go out on a limb and to perhaps visitors being there or perhaps to other people, there's no apparent reason for why he did what he did. Other than my, my perspective is, it's not that the Holy Spirit is testing Jeff like a meanie, but I think I've watched Jeff obey the Holy Spirit out of obedience, not out of understanding. So the Holy Spirit's maybe said, I don't want you to do anything this morning. I want you to just sit in silence. And of course, Jeff's like, are, are you kidding me? We've got people <laughs> tuning in from all over the world and they're just going to watch us sit in silence. Yeah. Are you kidding me? We've got visitors or guests here. How are we going to explain how weird this is to sit in silence? Right. And he, without understanding why he does it, and I think for the Holy Spirit, he's just like, oh, I, I love that you did that. And so if I can trust you with obedience and simple things, then I can trust you with obedience with multiples of my presence, you know. And and that, of course, requires humility, but it's a thing that nobody, everybody wants the fruit of, but nobody really wants to pay the price for, which is risk. 
risking yeah. looking utterly foolish. Yeah. And I, I just love that about Jeff and Becky. I just love the way that they've purposed in their heart to create a space for the Holy Spirit, even if it costs them their reputation. Yeah. Any other ingredients? I think our actual, our entire congregation, you know, we've we've joked around about it, but you don't go to Grace Center for the building. You know, it's it's right. not flash. It's not, you know, it's, we're thankful for the building, but it's, you're, probably coming despite the building rather well, than because tell of it. Tell a story about our architects when they came. These We had these uh, architects come through a couple of years ago to, um, you know, work on some plans for Grace Center to expand. And uh, they walked through and after looking at our building, they were pretty shocked. And they said, you guys must be doing something really right to be, you know, the size that you are and to be growing because they're coming despite your building. Right. And these are and guys with like 30 plus years of it, just building churches. That's all they do. Yeah. And all they, they do said, is churches. Our research shows us that people won't attend a church that's not at least as nice as the homes they live in. Right. And hi, we have a church in Franklin. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like you're you're talking about one of the wealthier, you know, suburbs, uh, suburbs or wealthier counties in the US. And we have a church that's in an old elementary school, you know. From the 60s. Right, you know. And, and they, unfortunately, it kind of looks like that still, right. you know. And they were, but they were really taken aback. Yeah. You know, and they could yeah. just say with confidence, you're doing something right because people are coming in spite of your building. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to build a theology. Like, it seems to me, because see what you think about this. I'm not sure this is true. So it's, I'm throwing this out. It seems to me, in my travels and in my experiences, you typically find one of two things. You typically find churches that are really, really excellent in their architectural details and in their layout and in their furnishings and in their appearance. And I mean, it's amazing. I've been to churches that are just absolutely gorgeous. But in terms of the flexibility to accommodate a morning like this morning isn't there. Or typically, yeah. Typically, yeah. Or yeah. you find churches that tend to be way flexible with what the Holy Spirit is doing, and yet they're lacking in the looks department. Right. So maybe that's personality or looks. Okay. <laughs> Which one do you want to marry? It is. It is <laughs> rare to find both in one package. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. And I'd love it if if we could get both. But uh, here's here's my sneaking suspicion based on what John Arnott once told me in. You know, because people, when I would travel with John and Carol, the question everybody would always ask at a pastor's meeting is, why your church? So, all over the world, we'd do these pastors yeah. and leaders meetings where people could ask questions, anything they wanted to, about the Toronto blessing and, you know, this, that, and the next thing. And it was one of my favorite sessions to be in on. And listen to John just answer questions from leaders all over the world. And people would say, why your church? And John's first answer would be always be, well, you know, we... uh we're at the end of a runway, so it was easy for people to get to. And, he, you know, he was joking and people would press him for an answer. And he said, I don't think we were praying for revival any more than any other church was praying for revival. Mm-hmm. He said, if you had to push me for an answer, I, I, I do think that God delights in, in humble surroundings. And he wasn't talking about them being humble, though they certainly are. But yeah. he was like, Jesus had the choice of being born in any nation and within any nation in any palace. And yet he chose to be born in Israel, this tiny, obscure nation. Mm-hmm. and In a barn. In a barn <laughs> and in a stable. And he could have been in a palace. He could have been in a center of world power, but he didn't. And so 
I mean, John, I remember hearing John say, and I hope this is okay to say in public, but he said, I think there was something humble about it being Canada that Americans had to cross the border to come and visit, you know, quote unquote, America's little brother. There was, there was yeah. something about this tiny, obscure little church in the middle of nowhere that mm-hmm. God so loved that he came to just show up. So I am not for a minute saying that nice churches are not going to be visited by the Holy Spirit. I, I, I've been to many amazing churches with the yes, Holy Spirit. Absolutely. I'm just talking about this kind of observation of me where it seems, I'm just talking about this observation where it seems like it tends to be one or the other. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that's right? Have you got well, any I mean, thoughts? I can certainly think of, uh, you know, a couple churches that seem to, uh, have a nice building and have it all together and, and also the Holy Spirit's doing stuff and they, right. you know what I mean? So, so certainly I don't think that's, I don't think you can say that across the board, but, true. but I've, I have seen a lot of the, uh, yeah, I, I guess what you're talking about, the, the Lord meeting people in these humble places where really they, they might not have two pennies to rub together, but they have a longing for the Lord, right. you know, and he loves to show up in the midst of that. Where I think really if if you're talking about a service where the attitude is, I'm going to go, I'm going to get my service done, you know, punch my hour and a half time clock with God and then move on throughout my day, you know, and I just want everything to be speedy and perfect. You're probably less likely to have the Holy Spirit show up or or be able to identify that he is trying to show up right? if the priority is, you know, the schedule and stuff. It's so hard speaking like this because I'm trying to avoid judgmental terms at all. Like yeah. there's no, no judgment in my yeah. heart at all. And you don't get a Geiger counter for the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, is, he's here. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> to what degree is the Holy Spirit here? And so I, I'm trying to be very, very careful in what I'm saying Yeah. without making a point larger than the point I'm making. Yes. But I, I don't think God cares what your building looks like is mostly what I'm saying. Right. I don't think he cares. I think he's looking for hungry hearts. Yeah. Who will make room for him when he shows up. Wow. We've already mentioned John and Carol. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know our, our spiritual mom and dad, John and Carol Arnett are pastors in Toronto who in 1994 had the Holy Spirit show up at their church that, literally changed everything. It, it You could draw a line down the churches of the world as the Holy Spirit showed up and did something amazing in 1994. And yeah. so many ministries birthed out of that. So, so much world revival happened out of that. And there's huge similarities between Jeff and Becky, our, our current pastors and leaders, yeah. and John and Carol, our yeah. pastors and leaders so, for so many years when we lived in Toronto. Talk about some of the similarities you see between the two of them and draw out some of the characteristics of a leader that you've, you've grown to love. Well, not just the height differences. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, you know, it's funny, both Jeff and John have that thing where they seem like they're being random and they may even think they're being random, but it's totally the Holy Spirit, but they're willing to go with God on anything, even if they don't get it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I love that. They both really feel like dads and, um, you know, obviously Jeff doesn't feel so much like a dad to me as, as, as John does, but maybe cause we're 
closer in age. But, right, different seasons of life right. as well. But, but Jeff has this real dad thing and this real fierceness and protection um, over his people, you know, over mm-hmm. his kids, which I, uh, I've i seen many times in John as well, you know, just the, the fierceness of like, oh yeah, he's, he's serious about the people that, that God's given him. And um, Becky, I think is uh, a lot like, a lot like Carol, right when the revival sort of first started, you know, wow. just really, you know, Becky is, she loves everybody. She hugs everybody. She kisses everybody. That and that, does. you know, that's Carol. Um, yeah. They both have this fierceness about them Yeah, that when the Holy Spirit's on them, I mean, we joke when Becky gets up and takes the microphone, <laughs> there's no like, messing around. Well, watch out <laughs> yeah. because Again, neither of them want the platform. Neither of them are hungry for the microphone. Yeah. So when they do get up to speak, yeah. you better believe that the Holy Spirit's you know set them on fire for that. Yeah. I think also the similarity between Carol and Becky is they both love Jesus. Yeah. They both love the Holy Spirit yeah. so much. And you can tell about both of them that that's a two-way street. Yeah. That there's a real protectiveness of the Lord for those two women that yeah. there's, you know, if there's favorites that they're definitely at the top of that, <laughs> the Christmas list. They're also both very prophetic. Yeah. Um, both super prophetic yeah. at knowing what the Holy spirit is doing or saying. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first, when we first moved here and uh, started hanging out with Becky and I just thought, there's no way she's that nice. Like <laughs> there's no way she cannot actually be that nice. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm just going to watch her for a while, you know? And I remember about six months in thinking, I think she might actually be that nice. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that she's, it's, it's hard to, to put into words just how sweet mm-hmm. Becky is. She's just, I've never heard a mean thing come out of her mouth. Right. No malice, no, no. guile, just no. affection and love. Yeah. And she loves everybody. And so gracious as well. Yeah. Yeah, very forgiving, very loving. And out of that love, there's a real wisdom. Like I think about times we've been in meetings and we will have you know, been talking and then Becky will say, I've been thinking about that. And whatever she is going to say next, you know, is going to be bathed in kindness. Yeah. And really brings a, a just a completely different perspective that's so, so vital where you're like, Oh, yes, there's the oh, Christian in the room. Thank okay. you, yes. One of us in this room is going to heaven, and it's Becky. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I I remember when we first met Jeff and Becky. Like, we came here with John and Carol, yeah. and we did a school. Yeah. The four of us, John and Carol, and you and I. And we met Jeff and Becky, and I was so impressed by both of them. They're love for the Holy Spirit, their priority for His presence, their, I mean, no sense of trying to build anything for themselves, only interested in hosting the presence of God, which to this day is still the same. Their their right. whole goal is to create an environment that the Holy Spirit would love to be welcomed in. And I, I just love that about them. I've told this story before, but it's one of my favorite stories about Jeff. We... Every couple of months, we run some Wednesday night classes. And on this particular occasion, 
we were running, I forget the classes, we had a prophetic class going on. I remember that because we were teaching a prophetic class. Jeff had just started doing worship saying, you know, I think we should offer worship on a Wednesday night. So we're like, great. Right. And then there was a couple of other classes running, mm-hmm. one in the cafe and one in one of the other rooms. Yeah. And so we're like, great. And so the worship team was in the auditorium where we have a Sunday service. Uh, I was in another room and the two other classes were in a different room. So we did it for the first week, came back the next week and we were just debriefing. Like, how did it go? You know, how many people showed up? Do we need to change stuff for logistics and chairs? And, right. you know, what do we need to change? And only three people showed up for Wednesday night worship. Yeah. And that's a ma- major hall that seats you know, several hundred people. Right. And a lot of people showed up for some of the classes. So we're like, why don't we move the classes around? Let's put worship in a smaller room. Uh, let's move the prophetic class into a slightly larger room. Let's move this class into a bigger room. And, and it all made total sense. And so we're all good. And we're like, okay, great. We'll, we'll let our facilities manager know. We'll set up the chairs. And we're about to move on. And Jeff, ever so meekly, like this is the guy that runs the church. Jeff and Becky are senior leaders. Yeah. And, and he posits this. He was like, I, I just wonder... I'd like to make a suggestion. He said, you know, we don't have much in in the terms of our building, but I think we could all agree that the best room that we do have is the auditorium. And I know it doesn't make sense to only have a small number of people in that large room, but I'd really like it if the best room could be given just sacrificially to the Lord. And as he said that, the Holy Spirit's presence fell in the room and we were like, Yes. <laughs> okay. Of course. Okay. That so let's move this so back to sense. here, and <laughs> and that's just a simple example of yeah. of their heart to just, and that trickles down, and so you see that value because they have that value, our staff have that value, and yeah, I, I'm so grateful for Jeff and Becky and for their ability to steer the ship. I feel so safe when they're here. Yeah. Because they. Despite the fact there'll be times on a Sunday when Jeff has said publicly, I don't know what we're doing. I feel safer with Jeff and Becky, quote unquote, <laughs> not knowing what they're doing yeah. than with me knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about our church culture? Uh, no, I think that's good. <laughs> okay. Very good. We've got some <laughs> listeners questions. We've got, as browsing through our archive of listeners questions that we need to get back to, we've got several on relationships. I, I want to see if we can knock those out in the next couple of weeks. Here's the first one. This is a question from Michael. Hi, Michael. He's a, this is a great question. I love it. Hey, Alan, AJ, I had a question about if God will tell you the person you're supposed to marry. Oh, brilliant question. I feel like I have a promise from God about a person, and I've been deceived one other time before when I was a teenager. Does God even tell you who you're supposed to marry, and how can I know if I'm being deceived? Well, how can you know if you're being deceived? I'll tell you how you can know if you're being deceived. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Once you get married, if the person you marry was the person that God told you, <laughs> then you were then deceived. you were not deceived. Um, gosh, I mean, I guess there's there's a a bunch of different thoughts on this. I, I've heard people talk about the one. I don't necessarily uh, hold to the the one theory. Neither do I, uh, because. All it takes is for one person to marry the wrong person and the rest of us are in trouble. You know, we've all missed our the ones because somebody married the wrong one or whatever. Right. Um, so, and, and I've seen it go really badly uh, where somebody has gotten, you know, they feel that they've gotten the revelation that this person is supposed to be my spouse, but that person has not had the same revelation. Say that again. So... I've seen it go really badly where one person, say Bob, gets the revelation that Susie is supposed to be 
his bride. But Susie is like, I'm not interested in you at all. And I actually want to marry this person over here. You know what I mean? Like, so I think if you are already dating this person and you have a relationship and you know what I mean? Like, and that's a legit thing. And the Lord starts talking to you about marriage. I'd feel more comfortable with that. Uh, I'd probably be a little bit leery of, you know, Hey, see that girl across the room. That's your wife. Now I've heard of that working out a couple of times. Right. Um, you know, what doesn't work out though in that situation when you walk up to that person, and say, hey, you God. are my wife. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to get yourself labeled as a creep. Don't do that. Right. And I mean, I've also, you have to, I guess I need to temper it with, like I had somebody who was convinced that I was supposed to be their wife yeah, and would follow me from place to place and tried to give me a ring and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. I was like, go away. And then we got a restraining order. Right. Literally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it can kind of appear psycho. <laughs> but you, you, the Lord told you I was going to marry you. Yes, but in a different way. So the, how that happened was... Um, the Lord had given me a list and he had said to me one day when I was journaling and I had completely given up on the idea of getting married again. Um, he had given me this list and he said, you know, the man I have for you will pursue you. He will weary you with kindness. He will. And he went, he gave me this list of eight things. And I remember reading the list and thinking, this man does not exist. No, forged in the minds (laughs) of Scotland. (laughs) Or if he does. The body of a Greek god, (laughs) hewn from stone. Yes. (laughs) Um, I thought, or if he does, he's already married. Nope, he's on a boat from Scotland. He's on a boat from Scotland. (laughs) Coming your way. So so when I uh, met you, and I mean, I had no idea that you were him, until we had our first date. And that's because I hadn't flexed my pecs, baby. That's right. That's right. If you'd done that, I would have known right, right. away. Because um, that was like number nine. <laughs> pecs of a Greek god. So we went out. When we went out for our first date, you had journaled that morning. And you said, you know, Lord, will you help me put into words what my heart is? And you read my list back to me, like word verbatim. With two extra, just with for bonus two, points. With two extra, Um but I remember sitting there and you're reading this list and you started with, I'm going to pursue you. I want to weary you with kindness. And I was like, uh, I know this list. And I literally ran away from the table and vomited because yep. I knew, I yep, there it is. <laughs> um, I knew like I'm sitting across from the person that I'm going to marry. But interestingly, God deliberately did not tell me that yes. you're going to be my wife. I mean, I asked him outright and it was frustrating to me because prior to that, God had told me pretty much everything major that was going to happen to my life 12 months before it happened. Right. So I'm thinking, surely God's not going to hide this from me. Like the opportunity to screw up my life, surely he's going to direct me. Yeah. And when I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, is, is AJ going to be the one that I'm going to marry? And, and he said, I'm not telling you. And I said, well, why not? And he said, because when things inevitably go through difficulty, I don't want to be your scapegoat. Because I know what's going to happen. If if marriage gets hard, you're going to be like, maybe I didn't hear from God or maybe I missed it. Or you're going to blame me. You told me to marry her. Yeah. So you get to marry her if, you, if you'd like to. But that's going to be your choice. Right. And didn't he also say something to you about no woman wants to be pursued by somebody who knows they already get them in the end? Right. Yeah. yeah. I said that. Well, that's exactly what the Lord said when yeah. I was pastoring him. So here's the thing, Michael. We, we know stories of people who genuinely heard from the Lord that this is going to be their person. And against all odds, against all cultural differences and even country differences, 
they met their spouse, they got married, and it worked out brilliantly. We also know other stories where people think they heard from the Lord that this was going to be their spouse, and it absolutely wasn't. We've got like a list of those horror stories. So, yes. can right. God tell you that? Sure. Would I make that the major pillar on what you're doing? I'd be very cautious about putting all your weight on one prophetic word about anything. Yeah, and I would also uh, keep it to yourself. So, right. like, you know, even after Alan and I had that date, and I'm sitting there, and I now know that he is uh, the person I'm going to marry, Alan didn't know that yet. Nope. And so, I didn't tell him anything. It wasn't until we got engaged right. that I actually told him about the list and about that whole, you know, um, time that I'd had with the Lord in PEI and, you know, whatever. And I, because he needed to make his own decision. And and I've, again, I've seen a lot of, I mean, primarily, I guess I've seen women do it, but um, I'm sure there's been men that have done it as well, but of women just saying, I know that this person is my spouse. And so they're praying, controlling prayers, right. or they're going up and telling them, like, I, you're my spouse, and we're supposed to be married, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there's what no way that doing? ends well. There's no. no way it ends well. And that I think that was one of the things I really appreciate about you, because in our dating relationship, I, I went up and down. I mean, I remember one time just thinking, <laughs> I'm not, I need to break up with you just out of integrity, because I don't think I'm going to marry you. So I've got no business dating you. And you didn't play your ace card, but God said that you're going to be, you know, you just let it run its course. Mm -hmm. And I so appreciated that in hindsight because I had to go through the, I'm not sure I want to do this. I need to back out with this and actually work through my fear of commitment issues or, you know, and right. the litany of issues really. Right. And you didn't short circuit that. And I felt super protected by you in, in honoring that revelation and, like I said, I made the decision to marry you because I wanted to marry you, not because I had a prophetic word. But at the same time, I'm not dissing people who do. I, I know people, good friends of mine, bona fide, real deal who heard the Lord. But also their track record for hearing the Lord is significantly higher than the normal population. So yeah. I remember when I was a teenager, convinced that God told me who I was going to marry. And that, was, that did, obviously did not turn out to be true. And that was not the Lord. When I look back on my consistency and ability to hear the voice of the Lord, my gosh, I couldn't discern my own thoughts from the enemy's thoughts, from the Lord's thoughts. But right. I didn't have the wisdom to know that. So right. I'm not sure how that answer has helped you, but there's our perspective on that. I think, Michael, what I would encourage you with is if you really feel like there's somebody that God has highlighted to you, um, put aside the whole... I think you're supposed to be my spouse thing and ask them out for coffee. Oh, wow. There's revelation. You know, there. and just see where it goes, you know, but, but don't, don't put that on the table. Don't put that. I think you're my spouse on the table, you know, um, <laughs> no. because that would be the fastest way to get the reverse result. Right. That's a terrifying opening for a conversation as well. Yeah. So I asked you for coffee because you are the one. <laughs> yeah. Bad idea. Check please. Bad idea. <laughs> Unfriend block. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to answer more relationship questions next week, but for now, we're going to wrap up. We talked about Grace Center. We actually have a job opening that we'd like to talk to you about. We have three, actually. Ooh. Oh, yeah, we do. Yes. 
We're, we're looking for a cafe manager. So if you're someone who is super passionate about coffee and can help us create an environment that people are going to love to come to be in, uh, then let us know. We would love to hire somebody who can lead a team of people to create an amazing environment for people to enjoy fantastic coffee. Yeah. We're also looking to hire a children's pastor. Yay! Yay! We unashamedly want to have amazing children's ministry at Grace Center. And so in the same way that we're known for the presence of God and incredible worship, we're looking for someone who's passionate about seeing children raised up in the ways of God and has the vision and kind of throughput to build an incredible children's ministry. And lastly, we're also looking for a preschool ministries director, someone to work with our new children's pastor who loves preschool kids, is super creative, a brilliant thinker, and an excellent communicator to ensure that from as early as can be, kids are encountering God and growing up in the knowledge of Him and experience of His love. If any of those interest you, visit alanandaj.com slash 114 to find links to everything we've talked about in this episode and to get more information about those job posts. And if you want to ask us any questions, uh, we will try to answer them on air. Go to alanandaj.com slash ask. And lastly, we'd love it if you'd consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It's a huge encouragement for us to read your feedback and we do read every single review that you leave. It's also a great way for us to reach new listeners. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone